iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How are we all feeling on this lovely summer evening? I want a little more excitement than that. One more time. How are we all feeling on this wonderful summer evening? Fantastic. We're kind of in the home stretch of our Tribeca week here. It has been a blast. Quick show of hands. Who has made it out to other events here at the store this week? Anybody else been here for other events? Great, great. We got some repeats. Welcome back. Wonderful. As I said earlier, it's been Tribeca. It's been amazing. Every year we partner up with a wonderful group called IndieWire. This year, no different. Uh, to tell you a little about who IndieWire is and what they do, I'm going to bring the wonderful Eugene Hernandez to the stage. So, ladies and gentlemen, round of applause for Eugene Hernandez from IndieWire. Thank you. You're here for a really terrific event. IndieWire is a website that covers independent film, foreign film, documentaries. Um, we have a, a whole blog network. We just, uh, we just announced today that, that Todd McCarthy, formerly of Variety, is joining our blog network. We're excited about that. So we invite you to check out IndieWire for coverage of events and films throughout the year. Um, in the meantime, let's do this. Let's take a look at the trailer, and then we'll bring up Jean-Pierre Genet and our moderator, David Schwartz. So thank you for being here. Je sais, t'as une dragée dans le bocal. Il y a une famille qui va t'adopter. Alors ici, on récupère, on trie, on répare. <rire> Maintenant que tu fais partie de la famille. J'ai retrouvé le fabricant de la balle que j'ai dans la tête. Et réussite, avec dynamique. J'aimerais bien faire d'une pierre deux coups. Est-ce qu'il y en a qui veulent bien m'aider, s'il vous plaît Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Jean-Pierre Genet and this evening's guest moderator, David Schwartz from the Museum of Moving Image. I can record it, I don't care, it's my film. <laughs> Jean-Pierre Genet is making his next film already, so I just want to... Um, 
give a very brief introduction. If you saw this trailer and you didn't know that it, um, who made the film, you probably would have guessed a few seconds into it that, it was, uh, that we were in the world of Jean-Pierre Genet. He's one of those directors who cr really creates his own world on film. He uh, made an amazing debut film, Delicatessen, uh, dark post... Go ahead. Uh, followed that up with um, an amazing movie called The City of Lost Children, which opened the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and um, that he was lured out to Hollywood after that and, and made Alien Resurrection. And um, you love all of his movies. <laughs> and then had to go back and do something very French after that. So he made one of the most beloved French films the last 20 years, Amelie. <laughs> Uh, and then worked again with Audrey Tattoo on a movie called A Very Long Engagement. Um, so and after that, I made, just to make the joke, I made Channel 5. Because after Alien 4, Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mick Max, tell us um, a, a bit about the film. Tell us a, what, most people here have not seen it, so how would you describe it? Ciao. <laughs> but a lot of you can see it tonight. It's playing tonight. It will be opening in theaters on May 28th. In every theater, the 28th, from the director of Amelie, Press oh. 2. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a story, it's a strange thing, because you, you have to know something. I, I worked two years, uh, I lost two years working on Life of Pi. It's a beautiful book from Jan Martel. And I was supposed to make the film. I wrote the story. I made the whole storyboard. I, um, I made location scouting in India. And it was a huge work during two, two years. We made research about Waze machine. And at the end, it was $85 million. So for a kid, a tiger in the sea, forget it. So they asked me, 20th Century Force asked me to produce the film myself. Can you believe it? And we made some research in Europe. But... At the end, it was much less expensive, maybe 59 million, uh, but in euro. And euro dollar, it was exactly the same problem. Right. So after two years, I left. I, I told them, leave me alone. I need to make a film. And I was so starving to shoot. I wrote very quickly, very fast, Micmac, and I made it. So it's a kind of a cartoon, a slapstick. And uh, I put everything I love in, in this film. If you like my film, you have to come. If you don't like, don't come. <laughs> I'm used to say, you know, I have a fish restaurant. If you prefer meat, you have an excellent restaurant across the street. Right. Well, this has elements of dark and light, and, and it really brings two worlds together because it's about a character uh, played by Danny Boone um, who's been injured um, by a bullet. Yeah, I, I wanted to speak about weapons dealer. Because uh, I met those people, because we made some research, even if it's uh, just a slapstick, a comedy, I think it's very important to know what you are talking about. And uh, we visited a manufacturer in Belgium for weapons, and believe, believe me or not, they are very nice people. They have the passion for the technology. They could work in another industry, you know, and they just want to make a better job than the, the, the other guy. And when you say, but at the end, you kill people, you give suffering and pain, they say, oh, yes, but we work for the Minister of Defense, not for the Minister of Attack. <laughs> we are on the right side. We, won't sell, we don't sell 
weapons to the bad guys. Of course, they are hypocrites. They know they resell the weapons, for example, in Africa, for poor countries, you know. It's very hypocrite. But they are very nice. That's an interesting paradox. So it's a paradox because you love people who, do, who, who are inventors in a way. That's what you are. You make these incredible creations. So here are these weapons. Uh, people are building weapons. Um, and then to contrast that, you have this world um, of people who live at a junkyard. Yes. And, yeah. uh, so tell us about those, those yeah, people. I wanted a bound of not silly people, but original people like misfits and... Uh, <coughs> Sorry. Uh, <coughs> um, in fact, my reference was strangely the toys of Toy Story because I am a big fan about Pixar Studio. Right. And on the other hand, it's a little bit the Seven Dwarfs in Snow White. They have one specific character. It's not a psychologic movie, definitely. You know, and <laughs> and it's a band of original people. Right. And they, with imagination, they fight against the, the bad bad guys. And one more time, it's the same story. Like all my film, it's a story of uh, weak people with handicap fighting against the, the, the ogre, like in Tom Thumbs, the, the fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just this incredible world that you create, and you work. I think you, your roots in animation must feed into how you make films because um, everything sort of comes from the, yeah, from the I start, imagination. I started with animation like yeah. Tim Burton but right. less talented and I made two short films with puppets like Tim Burton yeah. and uh, I spoke with that with Terry Gilliam and we say the same thing when you start with animation you are a control freak you would like to make everything yourself with your hand and we pay attention to every details because you, when you make animation you have to build every, every details you know and I love yeah. to put a lot of details because a ticket of cinema is very expensive. And the, and the film seems to have many different types of worlds in it. It's got this made-up world of the junkyard and then you have sort of um, modern Paris and old-fashioned Paris. Yeah, yeah. I love Paris. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I show Paris three times. Uh, for Amélie, it was a fake Paris without dog shit on the street. And uh, uh, for very long engagement, it was the Paris of the beginning of the century, much easier because very beautiful, beautiful landscape, perfect, you know, costume. And, so. and for the last one, I tried to make something different. Uh, I mix a modern Paris and the traditional Paris. But it's one more time my Paris. But now I think it's done. I, I need to find another city. And I would like to shoot in San Francisco. I love San Francisco. I love New York too, but New York is so known, known at the cinema. We saw New York so many times. But San Francisco, I would like to shoot a film in this city. Was it um, physically a hard film to do? You, you mentioned budget before, and it, 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 it feels it's so rich visually. Was it hard to make with what you had yes, to work with? Yes, it's always tough to make a film. Physically, it's tough. But, yeah. you know, somewhere we are like... Uh, a navigator, on the, uh, sail navigator, alone in the middle of the ocean, fighting against the, the fields. The, they don't sleep, they have the waves, uh, the, it's wet, they, uh, they don't eat, you know, but they love that. And it's the same thing for us, it's like a drug, we, we love that. Tell us about uh, Danny Boone, the actor, the main, your main actor here, because just um, as, as with Amelie, um, you didn't originally have Audrey Tattoo in mind yep. for that part. She, of course, you can't imagine anybody else but her doing that. Yeah. And you had a similar story here. Yes, I wrote for another actor, Jamel Debouz. He's a young guy with a handicap. He has a thin arm because he had an accident with a train when he was very young. And he passed on of maybe 10 weeks before the shooting. And 
in this case, you have to swim or to die, you know, like in you know, a cold water. And I rewrote three different drafts, one for a woman, one for a kid, and one for Danny Boone. <laughs> and uh, he, ac he, he accepted the film, but not just... He, he wanted to make some tests, and we did some tests, and we had such a huge pleasure to work together. Immediately he said, he said uh, yes, yeah. and it saved my life. Yeah. Each time, you know, a film is so close to, to collapse. Each time, it's the same story. He has... Uh, why, why was he hesitant at first? Why Because in the first time, when he read the script, he, he, he said, I love it, but I know it's, it was for another guy. And I told him, you're right, don't do this film. If you don't <laughs> feel it, don't do this film. Yeah. But on the other hand, I would like to work with you and... Maybe we could play together during one hour just for the pleasure because we want to make this film, of course. You know? And it was a trap, and uh, I got the guy. <laughs> now, what if he said no? If he, if he had said no, would there have been no McMax? Maybe, maybe now it would have been Audrey Tutu. Who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, she would have been a nice Snow White because I have seven people around him. Maybe she could be a nice Snow White. Uh, there's a number of tributes to old movies in this film. I mean, in the beginning, your character, before he gets the bullet in his head, he works at a video store, and he has yeah. memorized The Big Sleep. The Big and, Sleep, um, yeah. He does The Big Sleep, yeah. Tribute to Sasha Guitry films. So yeah. could you talk about your Yeah, uh, uh, especially I love so much uh, Marcel Carnet, Jacques Prévert, the French director from the 40s. I try to follow this kind of uh, f films with the casting, with the... Bec at this time, the name was Realisme Poetique. They, it right. was realistic stories, but they modify the spirit with the dialogues, the, the lighting, the music, everything. And I, I try to do the same, the, to follow the same way. Yeah. And because I don't like realism, you know, the French cinema with couple fighting in the kitchen. Oh my God! <laughs> and I, I try. I prefer Terry Gilliam or Tim Burton, this kind of director with a strong word, and it's much more easier to, to do that for me and it's a, just a pleasure I don't like to make photocopy I don't want as a director I appreciate sometimes some realistic movies I am a big fan about documentary about National Geographic Megastructure that's my favorite show and, but as a director I prefer to invent my own universe but you have made a film that is relevant today because uh, with so many wars going on it's a, it's a film that really questions why people you know, why governments and why people can participate in these wars. So I think people are going to see this film and think about what's going on now mm -hmm. around the world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and about Danny Boone, maybe you know, he made, because he's also a director, and he made a huge success in France with uh, Welcome Shelley Sticks, something like this. And Will Smith is going to, to produce a remake here. And this guy is an author, uh, um, a good actor, he's never bad. In, uh, you don't have any takes for the garbage, never. And he's an amazing director. I am very jealous. I hate this guy, in fact. You know? <laughs> wow. Well, you'll have to start acting in movies. Maybe, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us about some of the... Um, Characters. One of the one of the characters in the film is a contortionist, a woman who oh, yes. we first meet um, coming out of mm. a refrigerator, where she's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. tucked inside. Uh, so I talk about Julie her. Ferrier. If you don't know her, and I probably you don't know her, type you, on YouTube Julie Ferrier because she has a one woman show, and she's absolutely amazing on stage. She's a great actress. She changed the character. You can't recognize her. She's a, like a magi magician, you know. Yeah. 
but uh, on the film she's very good too and she plays a contortionist but she's very flexible because she was a dancer during 20 years but of course not enough for the film you will understand if you watch the film and we hired a Russian girl, a real one, a real contortionist she works in Germany, in Berlin and she has an erotic show and believe me it's very interesting when she, she warmed on the stage, my Japanese DP was very moved. <laughs> and me too. <laughs> okay. You understand. So that might be, maybe on the DVD we can see. He, oh, so. yes. Yeah, yeah. You see real soul and yeah, yeah. Now, there's an element, I don't want to give away anything, there is an element in the plot that involves YouTube. And the way that yes. things get yeah. spread on YouTube, do you want to say yes. anything? Yes, you about just it? kill my ending, but it's no problem. Thank you. I didn't even say it. No problem. Thank you. I didn't say it was part of the ending. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted something more modern because, right. uh, because you know, in France, they some a lot of time I have some reproach because my universe is very retro, very very old fashioned, right. and they say I live in the past, but it's completely fake. I use the last technology. I have my iPhone, I, uh, we, we use the last technology in terms of uh, visual effects, pictures, sound, and it's, the, it's nothing to see, in fact. It's just right. because, aesthetically, I love the old object and the old-fashioned. Right. Well, let's, uh, we have time to take some questions. We can talk about this film or Jean-Pierre's other films. So we have a microphone, so raise your hand and wait for the microphone. Right here in the second row. Thank you. I'm a real fan of yours, since I saw Delicatessen, then um, The City of Lost Children, and finally Emily. I always wanted to ask Very you... long engagement? No. I didn't see it no, yet, I'm <laughs> but I will. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and um, I always wanted to ask you that question. How do you catch the little details from the life and make a very interesting, charming, humorous, and rich story out of it? Where this imagination is coming from, also, yeah. you want to shoot a movie in Istanbul one, one day. It's a very beautiful city, too. Istanbul? I made a film in Istanbul, Channel 5. We shot in the middle of the Bosphor. You have to watch Channel 5. <laughs> yeah, it's a, no, it's a beautiful film because Chanel gave me the freedom. It was amazing. It was like a short film. No agency, no nothing. I was the boss. No, no, watch it. Uh, so uh, we are used to do something with my scriptwriter, Guillaume Laurent. We make a kind of collection of uh, notes. Immediately when I hear something funny or original in the real life, immediately I put it in my Macintosh. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, when we start to, to, to write a movie, we open the box of small details, and it's packed of details. And we chose the, the best for the film. For example, in this film, we have a joke with a mine in the middle of a football uh, field, and it was perfect for this film. And what we have on other films? Oh, the, the, the joke with the sugar in the cup of coffee, you know? And we, we get on other box packed of details. And only when this box is packed, we start to write. And that's the reason it's so full of details. How, but how, after yeah. that, I am dry. The, the box is empty, you know. <laughs> and I, I need to make an adaptation from a book to because now, now I have to find new details and from the life. 
how long does that process take? How long are you collecting ideas? In, in fact, for Amélie, it was very packed of detail because it was 25 years. <laughs> yeah. In some way, Amélie was my first film because Delicatessen in the City, it was with Mark Caro, a common world, and Alien Resurrection was another kind of game. So Amélie was my first own movie. Hmm. We have a question over here to your right. Okay. Uh, first, I just saw some soccer jerseys in there. Are you getting very excited for the World Cup in a month? Yes, I, uh, during the World Cup, I stay at home with my <laughs> projector in the middle of my hill in Provence and nothing else. Um, I just, I noticed how the music or the score adds so much life to all the images and I wanted to know how much input you as a director have towards that or whether you delegate that to somebody else. Well, this time it was a, a kind of another exception because I met a guy, he didn't do anything before, not a CD, not a film. He was a teacher in a suburb of France, in, in Paris, you know, and he gave a small CD in a, a restaurant to the, the owner of the restaurant because he was the, the stand for Danny Boone. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I called the guy and I told him, okay, I don't hire you because you don't have any experience, but if you want to try, little by little, give me all the pieces. And at the end, I hired him. He's a composer of the film, you know. And the other composer is Max Steiner, the, right. the huge composer, American composer. Because when we use a big slip at the yeah. beginning of the film, it worked so well for the action scenes, we decided with my editor to use it for all action scenes. And we... We used maybe six or seven different films from Max Steiner, Sierra Madre, this kind of stuff. And it's very modern. You can't imagine it was from the 40s because they were so modern. Since he asked about the World Cup, um, France was in the finals last time and your hero Zidane went a little... France? Forget France okay. this time. Oh, no, no. So, but I just want to ask how you felt when Zidane um, lost his control at the end of the World Cup last time. I can do the same thing if you want. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> in fact, I was inside the stadium in Berlin. Oh, and really? And I didn't see anything. Because really? you don't have the video, of course. And I had to fast. call Paris. What happened? What happened? You know, it was silly. I was in the stadium. Okay. In the uh, front over here on your left, right here. Do you think that you'll ever make an entirely silent film without dialogue? A partner, uh, another French director, I love his work. He made OSS 117, OSS 117, a kind of parody of tacky James Bond. Yeah. And I love it. I saw, I saw it four times. Mm. For a French film, believe me, it's very rare. I see a, fi a French film four times. And this guy is going to make a silent movie. So too late for me. But this film is a kind of slapstick. Uh, I thought about Buster Keaton, especially with the scene with a uh, cannon, come on, cannon, cannon man, can, yeah, cannon like ball the general, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you will see. It's very slapstick. Are you a fan of Jacques Tati? I appreciate his work, but I, 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 I make some effort to love it, and I can't. Yeah. Strangely, I can't. It's left you cold a little. Yeah, uh -huh. okay. too cold. Yeah. We got another question over here on your right. Hello, sir. You recognize this book? You can't see it, probably. No, you're too far. It's okay. Red. It's uh, it's uh, it's called Movie Maker's Masterclass. I got this book ten years ago. Okay. And there's a chapter in here where you're talking about your process of making films. It was my introduction to your movies. Okay. And I became a fan soon after that. 
Okay. There's a uh, there's a part in this book where you mention after seeing uh, City of Lost Children in Los Angeles, and how all you saw was mistakes all over the film. Oh yes, yes, I remember. And that you devised yes, yeah, this list, this sort of Ten Commandments, as you say, of to follow from now on, from that point on, in the way you make movies. And I was wondering if uh, after all this is settled down, you could complete that list for me. <laughs> You yeah. mentioned that you're not going to go into it in the book. Yes, it's very important. Sometimes you, f- you, for- you forget the bases. And um, I was at the Ch- Chateau Marmont, and across the street it was uh, Sunset Five, and I saw my film, I paid my ticket, and I was completely depressed because I saw only the defects. And it was the best lesson of cinema of my life. I took my Ten Commandments, and now I pay attention. For example, just... You have to make a wide shot to explain the geographic situation for every character. It's very simple and obvious, but sometimes I forgot it in the city. I made a lot of mistakes on, in this film. Okay, Other question right, right here. here. What qualities do you look for in a cinematographer? Uh, what qualities do you look for in a cinematographer in this film? Cheap yeah. and good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Darius Konji is not the cheapest. But you no, have no, a new cinematographer. I, I, I love, uh, I love the, the cinematography, of course, and I worked with the best, Darius Konji, one of the best in the world. And I was the only one able to work more than one time with Darius Konji because he's a little bit slow. <laughs> and, uh, but he's the best, you know. And Bruno Del Bonnel is the best, too. And Bruno Del Bonnet is a very old friend of mine. And when Darius Conji didn't want to make Amelie, I hired Bruno. And I was scared because he was my best friend. And luckily, he, he made an amaz- amazing job. He got nominated at the Oscar, you know. And uh, we made Amelie in a very long engagement. But he made Harry Potter. And I couldn't say, no, don't do that, because it was a great opportunity for him. So I hired the Japanese guy, Tetsu Nagata. He made La Vie en Rose, the La Môme. And I worked with him before. And we practiced. We rehearsed for Channel 5 one more time. And he's a good guy. But he's Japanese, very stubborn, you know. Don't try to, to change the direction. He's stubborn. We've got another question over okay. here to your right. Hi. One of the things I love about your films is... Um, is the way that you continue to use some of the same wonderful actors over and over again. And I'd love to hear you speak about um, the way you work with them, in particular um, actors that have such um, a wonderful pre- uh, physical presence, like Dominique Pignon, and who's been in so many yeah. of your films. Yeah, because I love so much the Marcel Carnet and Jacques Prévert movies from the 40s. And at this time, they, they had a collection of so beautiful faces in the French cinema. And now I try to follow this way, so I, I find new faces each time. But of course, they, don't, they are not Fazan and Fazan, so that's the reason I work with the same. Dominique Pénon, it's a special, because he, he surprised me every time. And I don't see any reason to, you know, to, I, I want to work with him every time. I will have something for him. I, it's not a superstition, it's just because he's a character actor, able to play differently each time, and he's of such beautiful face. Uh, Makaro was used to say, you have two definitions of the beauty, the African statues and the Greek statues. Pinot is definitely an uh, African statue, of course. He's been in all of your films, right? He's, he, all yeah. my films, yes. Yeah. Except Channel 5. <laughs> Another question to you, right? 
Hi, how you doing? Um, so my question is also in regards to your production process. Um, all your films are very art heavy, obviously. So I was curious how much time um, you're in pre-production and then actual production and then post-production. Everything is long. It's a long process. Uh, in the first time, I write my script myself, even if it's uh, an adaptation. So it's, no, it's under the job. It's between six months and one year. And after, the biggest process of the time is to find the money, even if it's easier for me now, since Amelie, of course. But each time you have, uh, as I said, a problem like you lose an actor, and you lose time, and blah, blah, blah. And for the preparation, the shooting, it's always a long shooting. 18 weeks, maybe, 19, 20, and long post-production. And it doesn't make sense now, because... Because, you know, the, to, be, to be picky, it doesn't make sense because now with the crisis, nobody's care. Everybody wants to be faster and cheaper. Cheaper? Cheaper, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I don't care. I love so much to work with my crew. We pay attention to every detail. Sometimes it's just for us. Um, no, no, we, we edit with uh, Avid. Okay. Over, Over here. here. Hello. Um, your films have such beautiful richness to them. There's, there's an element as if you are literally painting the scenes like a great painter would. In Amelie, there are the red and the green tones. In a very long engagement, we have the golden earth tones. What should we be looking for in Micmacs as you in, bring as an artist? In Micmacs, you have to know something. I, w I would have wanted to change and I wanted a lighter camera, like the red camera, digital camera. I wanted something. And in fact, it was before the relief of um, Slumdog Millionaire. Mm. And I was pretty pissed off when I saw the film because my, my DP, my Japanese DP, and my uh, colorist, they told me, no, it's too early for the digital. We spend the time to fix the defects. And I decided to shoot uh, classically. And I regret now. I would have wanted to shoot faster and lighter with uh, another camera. Or completely the opposite in 3D. Because w w this film would have, want, w would have been nice in 3D. Mm. And it's just classic, this one. But in terms of color, it's, it's, it's okay. But the next one, I, I will shoot all in 3D or in a lighter way. There's another question to your right, okay. towards the back. Okay, somewhere back there. Hello. Um, I'm wondering, uh, your influence, your characters in a lot of your movies have a very circus-like uh, characteristics, and I'm just wondering uh, what your circus influences are uh, to these characters. You know, in fact, I don't like very much the circus because it's pretty sad. I don't like to see animals, animals in cage. But the idea we have about circus, it's poetic. And that's the reason we put a, a clown in Delicatessen with the musical soul or the contortionist or this kind of stuff. I, I love it. But in fact, I, I met a guy. His name is Franco Dragon. He, did, you know, he, he, he was working with the Cirque du Soleil. And maybe there is a possibility to make something about new circus. New, I don't know. Right here in the center. Um, yeah, hi. I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I work as an animator, but I've been a huge fan of your films for a for many years now. Uh, um, Amelie and Delicatessen, in particular. But I had read that you had started off in animation, and I was wondering if, because you were also making comparisons to Tim Burton, if you'd ever thought about t t trying your hand at making an animated film. 
or something or, or like now yeah yeah but because i know by heart what is animation i don't want to make animation because i know how it's a long process and now everybody wants to make animation my friend uh, the french director patrice lecomte he is going to make an animation film and he told me i hope it will be fast and i said no patrice it won't be fast Or is going to check one time per week, you know, and it's not my way to work. And um, but maybe I would like to produce a film one day. I don't know, but uh, I am. Uh, uh, I met an amazing guy. It's Adam Elliot from Australia. He made Mary and Max. You have to see Mary and Max. It's a masterpiece. You saw twice. Yeah, Mary and Max is for adults. It's not a kid movie. It's. On amazing, it's on DVD now. It's a masterpiece. You have to watch it. And maybe I could help him because I love this guy. There's another question to your right, towards the front. Uh, good evening. I uh, would like to ask a question about the title. After you made uh, Le Fabuleux Destin d'Amélie Poulain et La Cité des Enfants Perdus, this title is way less poetic than the previous one. Is it a choice to make it more uh, easy to travel for other languages? So I get the, t the, the title of the film, yeah. No, Mick Max, uh, abroad, it doesn't mean anything. I do all the time the same joke. It's not a Big Mac, it's a Mick Mac. But, uh, you know, it's very difficult to translate. They kept Mick Mac, but, you know, it's shenanigans, in fact, Mick Mac. No, I, I think it wasn't a very good title, even in France, because it was too retro. And we put Micmac at Tirlarigo. Tirlarigo means uh, it's an old French expression, and the kids don't know. You know it, in fact, it was a very bad title. <laughs> <laughs> Down here in the front, second row. Hello. Uh, I wonder about the integration uh, of paintings in uh, your film, in this new film, because uh, in Amélie, for example, the structure of the film is uh, very much about paintings. In terms of um, aesthetism or...? The structure of the of film. Of the film itself, yes. Ooh. Yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> in Amelie, there are a lot of uh, uh, visual. Well, yes. Uh, co yes. You know, Kurosawa was used to say, if you take one frame of a film, it has to be like a painting. And I try to get something beautiful for each frame. That's the reason I love so much the short lens, and I pay attention for the composition of the frame. I do the, the, the frame myself, you know. I don't keep the camera during the shooting because I can't. I, I have to judge the actor. But um, I prepare the, the frame myself, the picture. About the um, uh, special paintings when you do oh, the, the Do you think films? about specific yeah. paintings? Specific yes. For Amélie, it was a, a Brazilian painter living in Montmartre. Uh, each time we find some references, it's very important to give to every department some references because it's much easier to, to do the same job with pictures than words, of course. And for the last one, I, I found some photograph I couldn't remember because... You know, but uh, it's important to have references, yes. 
could you talk? Excuse me. Uh, could you talk a little bit about your work with actors? I think people often focus on the visual style of your films, and you, I think you really love working with actors. Maybe that's one reason yeah. why you don't want to do I, animation. The recipe is to make some tests each time with everybody. Except Jodie Foster for a very long engagement. I didn't do any test. But each time, even with Dominique Pinot, I make some tests to find the, the, right, the right way. And when you find it, it's done. It's, you finish your work. It's so f easy to direct them. And you have some things to know. For example, never show how to act to an actor. Because I'm not... Director, right. and they are not monkeys, they are interpreters, they are actors, you know, never show anything to an actor. Is, was there something specific you told him, your main Danny Boone because he has this quality that Audrey Tattoo had a little bit of being a, an innocent or being childlike? Yeah, in one hour, you find the, the way you correct, you, you change, let's yeah. try that, let's try that. Rehearsal are very important with the two weapon sellers. We spend a lot of time to look for different direction, and when we find something interesting, I shoot with my video camera, and I have a computer, a Macintosh, on the set <laughs> to show them. <laughs> we have one um, question right in the middle. Hi. So what I adore about uh, your films and you as a filmmaker is how imaginative you are. And so I guess I'm definitely curious about your creative process. You mentioned earlier that before um, writing Micmacs, you were working on the uh, life of Pi and everything. And so you'd spent so many years just working on straight research. So I was wondering, was it during that time that you began conceptualizing Micmacs? Or when, when did the idea for the story come to you? Um, for Micmac, it was an exception because, no, no, I, I, I'm able just to work in one film at the same time. I am the guy not able to work and to chew gum at the same time, you know. Uh, no, I am, and uh, I am very focused in one subject at the same time. I don't have any subject on my, on my drawers, you know, it's not my case. Unfortunately, I would, I would, I would, I would want, you know. Uh, for example, uh, for the next one, I read now. I read one book per day because I am looking for an adaptation, and I don't have any idea. Yes, three or four, but <laughs> not a lot, you know. Okay. We have another question all the way in the back towards your right. Do you storyboard all your films? And not not the whole film because for. Uh, dialogue scenes is not necessary, but I storyboard every film. You can see some uh, pages on my site, official site, and uh, you can turn the pages. It's beautiful. It's in, on my Macintosh. And uh, yeah, yes, I do a storyboard, but it's just a pretext to work, you know. So when you when you if you've when you walk into a shoot and you plan pretty much know exactly what you're shooting, how yeah, do you, but how do you build in spontaneity? At the shoot, because a storyboard is made to be, comment je peux dire, to, to be. If you find a better idea at the last moment, you jump on it. It's a gift. If an actor proposes you something different, it's a gift. You know, it's a nature. So then you have a storm. The sky is very black, like in Amelie for one scene. I am very happy. I am very happy if I don't follow my storyboard. But if I am lost, if I, have, I don't have any inspiration that day, I have my storyboard. But the storyboard is much more a pretext to work before, before the shooting, when, when it's not expensive to think. Because on the shooting, the master is the watch. You have to run, you know. And uh, 
Picasso made 150 sketches to paint Guernica. So he was a genius. I am not a genius. So I believe in working hard. Mm. Down on the front. Okay, okay. I'm very curious about the audition process with Audrey Tattoo when you were choosing Emily. What made you choose her over other candi candidates? Uh, I saw another actress, a French actress, before her and her. That's it. And after, what, five seconds? <laughs> I know it, she was Emily. <laughs> and you can see that on the bonus of the DVD because we, we put the, that test. Yeah. Okay. We got one question all the way in the back. Hi, I was actually wondering about your process with the actors. Do you enter with an idea of what you have or do you leave certain freedom for the actor and how do you actually get to the ultimate performance which seems to be really wonderful throughout all your films? The work is to choose the best actor. But you have to have an idea on your head, you know. And sometimes you, you don't know, and you, are, you see a lot of people. For example, uh, I remember in Amelie, I had an actor saying, ticket please, and for ticket please, I saw maybe 20 or 30 actors. But when you find the best one, you are sure it will be good in the film. And at this time, it's very easy to help him, to direct him. But the, cho the choice is the, best, the, the most important moment of the casting. And, we have and you have to be present at the casting session. Very important. We have time for two more questions. Twelve more questions. <laughs> Twenty. <laughs> You're in the back? We've got one in the back. Towards your right. Thank you. Uh, one thing that's very distinctive about all your films and that I love about all of them is uh, you have a very nice pacing and flow to all of them. And I was wondering about the editing process. How much do you like to be there with the editor or how much do you kind of take a step back yeah. and allow them to do it themselves? I think it's written on the storyboard, the rhythm. And after, you have, we have just to follow the, the, the storyboard. But with my editor, uh, he's a closer person uh, for, for me. Uh, for example, for very long engagement, uh, I sign a paper to say, if a shark eats me, you are in charge to finish the film. Uh, because we are very close. He made all my films, even Alien Resurrection. And it's very important because he can work alone. I trust him. Uh, uh, he chose the best takes every time. We are very close. When we, we cut a frame, we do the same gesture in the same time. I am present all the time during the casting. I know some directors, they don't come at the editing table. They are crooks, you know. It's a very important moment, and I love so much that. But you have to find... The, like for the scriptwriter, you have to find a real complicity, a real, uh, the guy you are in love with, professionally, of course. Okay. We're going to do two more. Uh, just a quick one. I just wanted to know if you had any plans to do any more English language films. Yes, why not? Because uh, I spoke with Jodie Foster a few days ago, and she would like to make a film, but in French. But I heard <laughs> a lot of American actors, a lot, 
some American actors, they, want, they would like to work with me. And yes, I, I feel like now I, I am ready to, uh, for that. But on the other hand, I love so much the freedom. And in France, we have the complete freedom. So I would like to make something maybe with American actors in a French production to have the freedom and American actors, like Luc Besson, Luc Besson does. So why not? You know? right. It depends the story, of course. Okay. We've got our last question right here in front of you. Um, I'm a big fan of Life of Pi, and I, was, I think you'd make a really good version. So would you ever take it up again, or is it just out of the way now, too much stress? Ang Lee is going to make the film now, Ang Lee. But who knows, because it's still very expensive, who knows? Maybe in 10 years, we will continue to speak about this film, and maybe they are going to call me back, who knows? You know? Because to get the right for a very long engagement, 15 years. So everything is possible. Well, again, this film is opening in New York and Los Angeles on May 28th, and it'll be opening around the country. And um, congratulations. It's a really great piece of work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks for being here today.